co-founders of not just one, but two plant-based brands, Votary and Verdin, Charlotte Semler and Arabella Preston have set out to show everyone how natural oils can transform the skin. Stay with us for more on this. Hi everyone and welcome to Founded Beauty, a podcast dedicated to beauty entrepreneurs who built some of the biggest brands today and where we learn exactly how they did it. We'll cover some of the most intimate stories, their path to success and how they overcame the obstacles along the way. I'm Akash Mehta, CEO and co-founder of Fable and Main, a modern hair wellness brand inspired by ancient Indian beauty secrets. Building Fable and Main has been an incredible journey so far and I've decided to launch this podcast as a founder keen to learn and connect with fellow beauty brand founders around the world. I believe in collaboration over competition, and so I'm using this platform as a way to hopefully help and inspire each other in what can be quite a tough and lonely journey. So if you are an entrepreneur or simply just curious how to build a brand, this podcast is perfect for you. So without further ado, it's a delight to welcome our guests for today, Arabella Preston and Charlotte Semler. They are the co-founders of not just one, but two brands, Votary and most recently Verdon. And since its launch in 2015, Votary has grown into a cult beauty brand loved for its holistic approach to skincare. Charlotte and Arabella founded the brand upon their passion for the transformative power of plant-based oils, curating a range of award-winning skincare that naturally led to the inception of their second brand, Verdun. It's a natural fragrance line also rooted in plant oils. Verdun, which is Danish for the word earth, is inspired by Charlotte's childhood memories of Denmark's natural landscapes. And there is that personal touch everywhere you look in both brands, from Arabella's personal test blends in her kitchen to Charlotte's luxury production expertise reflected in every touch point. Their mission is to create global luxury brands and their passion is unquestionable. And I'm so excited to discuss what's next for Votary and Verdun. So Arabella, Charlotte, thank you so much for being with us today. It is such a pleasure to be here. We're huge fans of the podcast. Yeah, really excited to chat about everything. So, you know, I always start with, as you guys know, you guys listen to the podcast, you know what's coming. It's the first and most important question. So I'll start with Arabella. Who, in a nutshell, is Arabella? Hmm. Uh, I am a 43-year-old woman um, and a beauty obsessive and um, an entrepreneur now, but uh, a frustrated makeup artist. Um, I worked as a makeup artist for 10 years um, before setting up Votary with Charlotte. And it's very much where, why and how the brand Votary came into being. Um, but it does mean that I don't get to do it anymore. So <laughs> um, I'm now an entrepreneur, but I still can't help but call myself a makeup artist. I love that. And how about you, Charlotte? Who in a nutshell is Charlotte? Well, first of all, I'm a very lucky co-founder because I've got a co-founder who's a makeup artist who can do my makeup when needs be. Um, <laughs> secondly, <clears throat> secondly, I am um, I'm just a woman with a very um, busy mind. So I find it very difficult to do nothing. And that is probably why I've ended up doing so many different things and setting up several different businesses because I just need to be doing things all the time. I feel you. And I mean, that's why, of course, you guys have created two brands because you're probably, you know, serial entrepreneurs at heart. So can't wait to understand kind of like how that came to be. But I do want to perhaps start at the very beginning of like uh, your guys, I guess, how you guys first met. So maybe um, I'll start with you, Charlotte. Can you tell us from your perception, how did you first encounter Arabella? And then I'm going to ask the other way around. Let's see if the, the stories change. <laughs> um, 
So um, I was running a, my first business back then. It was a lingerie business called Myla. Um, and um, we had built a really substantial business based on PR and what would these days be called brand narrative. And we uh, parted ways with our head of PR and I was looking for um, someone very calm and nice and well-mannered to join the team and really field calls from journalists where often our answer was no. We, it was a very hot brand and it was often just about saying, no, I'm terribly sorry, you can't have samples for the shoot. And so we just wanted someone really nice. So I phoned up um, a great friend of mine, uh, Tiffany Dark, who was editor of Style magazine at the time. So you can tell this was back in the 2000s. And, um, and I said, oh, you know, we really need someone, you know, just to pick up the phone and send out samples. We don't need anyone particularly senior. Um, have you got any nice interns who've been through recently who you thought were bright and you know who you would recommend and she said oh yes we're only allowed to keep our interns for three months so um i've actually just had to say goodbye to a very clever young woman called arabella um i'll send her over um so arabella came over we met for coffee in the cafe nero in uh, portobello road in london and um, i offered her the job on the spot to be pr and marketing manager at myla and that was really where our friendship started. And she did that job brilliantly for a number of years. Um, and then the business, the business was sold and most people left, including Arabella. Um, but we stayed friends and I've been very privileged to be Arabella's friend for years. And I am godmother to her daughter. And yeah, and we go a long way back. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm sure it's the same story, but Arabella, a bit about you, from your side. Yeah, it, it is absolutely the same story, but it was a brilliant, you know, up, up until joining Myla, I had flip-flops around like a lot of people do in their early 20s. I'd, I'd actually been at Star Magazine for six months, so I definitely outstayed my welcome there. Um, I had worked in PR. Um, I had worked, um, I'd sort of gone to Paris for three months and thought I might learn French and failed at that. And so I wasn't, re I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I knew I, at that point I wanted to work in the fashion industry. Um, and then I landed at Myla and Charlotte was always an incredible mentor. It was a brilliant team of um, mostly women um, and it was a really fun place. And yeah, I, I ended up staying there for, well, it would have been three or four years, Charlotte, wouldn't it? Until, until the sort of end. Um, and we all, there was a group of us that all left and all remain, still are really good friends and all have gone on to do different things. And I then, um, at, at that point, I then became a makeup artist. And we were all, all the Myla girls were all having lunch one day. And um, one, of, one of my friends said to me, let's go, come on, what's the latest thing? What should I be using on my skin? interesting that she wanted to talk about skincare not makeup actually yeah. um and I said well you know to be honest I use an oil um to prep my client's skin I use an oil on my skin to moisturize I use oils to remove my makeup so I use oils to cleanse as well and I've really pared back my routine and since I've you know taken it to a much more sort of simple place my skin has been much happier much more balanced much more reliable um and Charlotte was sitting to my right. I can imagine us now. We were sitting in Royal China on Baker Street, at the, one of those big round tables with the Lazy Susan in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> Charlotte was sitting to my right and she went very quiet and she was just looking at me. And I looked at her and I thought, oh, my God, what have I, what have I done? What have I just let out of my mouth? And 
the next thing I knew, literally after that lunch, she said, what are you doing now? I said, well, nothing. So we went, we walked down to Selfridges, which obviously is just at the end of Baker Street there. Um, and we started, we walked around the beauty hall and Charlotte started firing questions at me. Um, and the next day she called me and she said, well, are we going to do this or what? <laughs> um and that was that was we decided to set up Votary that day. That is amazing. And that was October 2014. So, and the name Votary. So who came up with it? How did that come to be? Well, Charlotte, you found it. So do you want to say? Yeah. So um, I was quite keen that we call it. I knew the story was going to be about Arabella, not about me. And it's always been about Arabella. And I was really confident that was the right decision because she was the makeup artist. And that was the story we were telling. Um, so I was quite keen to actually call it Arabella Preston or something. And Arabella was absolutely determined that she was not going to have her name on it. Um, so um, Arabella's friends, uh, and I will probably slip in this podcast as well, and um, call her Ari. So we call her Ari. Right. Um, so I started looking for words um, that had Ari in them. Um, so I essentially went on to a sort of Scrabble a dictionary. And one of the words that came up was votary. Mm. And votary is brilliant because votary means devoted advocate or follower of. And given that our mission is to persuade people to experience the difference that natural plant oil ingredients can make to healthy skin. I just knew we were on a mission and at the heart of the story was Ari and therefore it was going to be called votary. And luckily, we could trademark it and we could get the URL and, you know, everything just clicked into place. Mm. So it was after that, there was no further discussion. That was what we were doing. Oh, I love this is why I love asking that question, because as a consumer, you don't necessarily get to know, like, how it was made and the name inspiration. And it makes total sense. So I love that with Aries. And, and I'm going to I think we're friends now. So I'm going to call you Ari. Is that OK for the rest of the podcast? <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> Done. OK. And so um, but was that like how did that feel, Ari? Like, and also would, I want to ask two questions. A, how did that feel to have the name Inspo obviously uh, inspired and surrounded by you? But also, why were you also with that mindset of not calling it a namesake brand? Because, um, yeah. A lot of people do have namesake brands. I think because I always knew that I wanted to create something that had real longevity. And I just, I think there was probably a confidence thing, honestly, that I, like I wasn't totally, I didn't know what we were making and how successful it would be. And, and I wanted to be able to detach myself from it slightly. But also, I, I could also see that in terms of the long term future of the brand that having just a brand name that could go anywhere and be anything to anyone rather than always having to rely on who I was and that kind of heritage I felt like it would give it legs in a way that I couldn't and I and I don't I, I think it was the right decision I, I, Charlotte we haven't actually discussed whether you and I agree on that I think it was totally the right decision and there's a really good example of our joint decision making processes actually yeah. we're often I think strategically we're very good together and we get to the right decision for sometimes slightly opaque reasons that we don't really figure out until later but we are good at expressing our sort of gut feeling about key issues to each other and then working with that and I think that's how we end up with some of our better decisions and I actually think everything you just said in 
that, you know, we're saying in retrospect, strategically, it is, there, there were too many brands called after different women. Um, it, it doesn't give you reach. It uh, hinges the whole thing on one person. I mean, there's all sorts of strategic issues with that sort of branding. And I think, yeah, we made the right decision for a number of different reasons. I completely agree. I mean, I, I definitely uh, can relate with a little bit of making, I kind of did an opposite thing where I went for a namesake brand initially and then I changed it. So I, while building Fable in Maine, I actually, when I left my career in Dior and in those kind of companies, I was asked to consult and build an agency. So I built an agency, which I still own today. And I did that thing, which I think people can get carried away. And I was like, I call it a cash agency. And I had a cash on my pillows, a cash on the doormat, a cash everywhere. And I was like, if you saw me at that time, you think this guy is super egotistical. I look back and I'm like, delete all these photos everywhere on the internet. I didn't have that name. But the reason why, forget the ego part and the name part, it was also to do the fact that I knew what I could put in and sustainably what I wanted to build. And I always want to build companies that are, you know, not just led by me, but the team. It's, a, it's an empowered community and it's got a legacy to continue without me. And often, even within the first few months, all my clients were like, why is a cash not on the call? Like, why is a cash? We, we want a cash. And I was like, wait, this is like the issue. I'm creating a namesake brand. It's tethered so strongly around me. I'm kind of stuck. You know, I, I, the success is now labeled on it. So I do think like, you know, when creating a brand, a lot of time I hear like a lot of influencer friends and people saying, I'm going to create a brand and they, they call it their name. And I'm like, not bad, but just have a really strong think of what's your potential future with it and how long can you last with that? Um, I think you guys have done it well, but I love what you've done where it's that like you can still be inspired and have a sense and DNA of it. But to the consumer, it might not be as obvious. Yes, it was brilliant strategically, but entirely in, in hindsight. <laughs> entirely. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's beautiful. And, and the name is, it's, again, it's, it's hard to think of a catchy, fun name and beauty that's not trademarked, that's not, um, you know, yeah. uh, taken. So and, and, and that's yeah, a real word, actually. Name. Yeah, exactly. And it's a real word, which is which I think is near impossible today. I mean, definitely now in 2022. Um, I'm sure we, when we go to Verdon conversation, I'm sure you can tell us a little bit about the naming might have been a bit more harder and difficult with today's landscape. But I, I do want to speak a little bit about, you know, the product portfolio of Otary. Uh, you were so kind to send me products, but this is not my first experience of Otary. I am a consumer myself. So when I got asked, you know, when the podcast opportunity came, I was like, yes, because I bought your um, one of your oils and cult once. I was your apricot oil, um, the cleansing oil. And I'm obsessed. It's incredible. So can you tell us about, maybe uh, whoever wants to take the floor, I'll let you decide. Um, tell us about your product portfolio. Well, it's interesting. That product that you mentioned uh, was the first product we ever made. Um, and it is still, it's the rose geranium and apricot cleanser. And it is still our best selling product to this day, which is really, I actually got a little bit of tingles just saying that because that's really special. Like it means that we created something that people, um, were missing, uh, didn't maybe didn't know they wanted um, until we presented it to them, um, and that and it and it is the DNA of the brand that product. Um, you know, the Votary oil cleansing routine is um, is essential to the Votary skin philosophy about not stripping the natural oils from your skin, getting your skin really really clean, um, but without stripping your skin and causing any skin barrier damage. And it comes. So from my roots as a makeup artist, um, 
you know, makeup artists aren't just interested in putting makeup on the face. They're also pretty interested in skin health and how to take that makeup off without stressing the skin. And a cleansing oil is the best way to do that. Um, and I made that product because I couldn't find a natural plant oil cleanser um, that I really loved. There were at the time very, very few. They were mostly made with mineral oil. Um, and they also would use emulsifiers, which we don't use in our cleansing oils. Um, so we sell them in a big box with a really, you, well, you know, you've got one with a proper flannel in the box. So you remove the cleansing oil with the flannel. And again, that's really key to the philosophy because you get your skin really properly clean. You get an exfoliation. So your skin is really glowing. Um, so yes, the, the sort of the brand began with that product and with facial oils. And we were for a sort of brief moment, the plant oil brand, but pretty much from that date, we have you know, not exclusively, we've almost exclusively only launched non-oil <laughs> products. So, so the, the sort of challenge from that point is how do we, um, how do we sort of, we are obsessed with plant oils and they're totally crucial to the brand. Um, but how do we grow the product offering um, and, and still use plant oils, but, you know, appeal to as many people as possible, perhaps to people that don't love oils, that think mm -hmm. that they can't use oils? How do we draw them in and then persuade them to use oils? <laughs> so we now make serums and creams and masks and all sorts of brilliant things. Um, and it's all, always for us been about re being really efficacious. Um, so, yes, we are naturally led but always backed by science um and we use um you know clinically proven botanical extracts every step of the way and very often lab sourced ingredients you know our intense night oil is a really good example of that so that is a beautiful natural plant oil base um but with we use the granactive retinoid the, this very hard working retinoid ingredient that's made in a lab and we've always presented that product to our customers as being the best of both worlds you know, you have these really beautiful high-end plant oils, but let's whack this, you know, really efficacious uh, skincare ingredient in there with them and they can work beautifully together. That's amazing. And today, like, and maybe, you know, Charlotte, for you, did you, like, how has the retail landscape been? Do you find it been quite, um, the best way to communicate with your audience is like via your DTC? Has retail been a strong player? And especially in the last, I would say three, four years with the pandemic as well. What has it been like? So we were quite determined from the beginning to have a sort of balanced revenue stream where we have several legs to stand on so that if something goes wrong in one channel, we still have revenues from another. So at the beginning, we were super focused on building our D2C revenue because you own that and no one can take it away from you. Um, and so for the first couple of years, that was pretty much all we did. We just did D2C and Liberty, who were an amazing brand partner and who are still our closest working relationship. Um, so um, we took quite a long time to roll Votary out into retail um, to ensure that we had the confidence that you get from owning your revenue in D2C before we started talking to other retailers. With Verdon, we've done it differently. With Verdon, we've been much more relaxed. You know, when someone calls us up and says, can we stock Verdon? If we think they're right, we say, yeah, sure, fine. When would you like it? Uh, which is quite a different attitude to when we were doing Votary, where all we did was say no for the first few years. Um, but, um, but yeah, it, it, it works. We think it works well. We, there are three, the sort of 
three revenue streams. There's DTC, there is uh, wholesale to retailers, and then we have distributors as well internationally. And they're all quite different revenue streams. They all have a different product mix and they all operate on a different margin um, and with different volumes. Um, but they are all important to yeah. us. No, it's beautifully said. And it's, and it's true. I think it's important to, uh, when building the brand, is, is sort of really think about the revenue streams. I think often founders can be caught up with the marketing, the story, which is so important, don't get me wrong, but to have it last over time, uh, and I say this to my sister as having a co-founder too, sometimes even we conquer and divide a bit, but I'm like, okay, yeah, yes, Nikki, like we want the best of the best and the formulas and the products and the story, but the revenue stream distribution mix is crucial. And and sometimes you have to learn to pivot and react. So not it's not always the same. Um, and I remember we launched our brand in the pandemic. So obviously like brick and mortar was out of the window at that initial time. But it was interesting how I was still getting it ready for when it was opening because I knew the minute it would come back, it would be a huge part of the mix. And today, lo and behold, it's now gone from when we launched like 10 to 90%, meaning 10% brick and mortar, 90% online, to now like 60, 65% brick and mortar, 35, 40% online. So, um, and we're going, we're quicker than the rest because we've invested and we started training field staff very early on during the pandemics. So the minute we were open, they're already in the stores training and educating where other brands were like, oh, we're not there yet. We haven't invested back into brick and mortar. We moved everything to online. So you've got to think about the mix and think a bit ahead of time, but be agile. So really important advice there. So thanks for saying that, Charlotte. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think, that's, I think that's really interesting. It's interesting that you that you mentioned the training and the field workforce and so on. So it's really, um, we've sort of done the opposite in some ways. We don't have a big field workforce. Um, and that's because we don't feel like that is the best use of our resources. And so it's it's different for different brands always. Um, And running a field workforce and uh, education and training is incredibly complicated and and expensive. And I think if you have a founder who's super good at that kind of thing, it's an amazing thing to be able to do, but it's not my forte and it's not Arabella's either Um, so we have actually always shied away from it slightly and instead focused on D2C um, online wholesale and and distributors and I think that's the beauty of the modern world is that there are enough different channels that you can pick the ones that you have some kind of talent or skill set in (laughs) rather than try and do stuff that you're actually not very good at and not do all of it and I think that's a really good point is there and I always say this to my team, but to anyone I speak to, um, mainly fueled by speaking to a lot of people, right? I'm just a conduit of information I get, but there is no right or wrong way. There's just a way and all of them have pros and cons. So it's just about going with trying to choose a way that you're best suited for, that you have the best skills for. Um, and then eventually as you hire more people that have other skill sets, you can start infusing new ways into it. And one, one example of why I also say education is because the retailer is the one that influences even our decision-making. So we launched in Sephora from day one. It's a retail environment that's actually very conducive to education in store, uh, to having field stuff, because they also require it in a way. Like, they wouldn't allow you to really launch without field stuff, and it's hard. But then we're launching Selfridges, and it's like, well, actually, this landscape doesn't really need, like, a permanent person by my one shelf. It doesn't make sense in this. And UK market also isn't really needing that, you know? Salesy people 
it's kind of in UK is is coming across that you know when you go outside a store and it's like take that sample it doesn't work in the UK environment but as a new artist it's like they want to be spoken to they're like tell me more about it um so yeah it's quite interesting how um retail can also affect um your decisions internally but yeah that's that's a whole other conversation but i think the very the, the summary is there is no right or wrong there's just your own way and choose your own skill sets as well to make that influence that um, but I, I do want to ask a little bit about, you know, the migration, which is so interesting from having your first brand, Votary, to then deciding to create a second brand. Because often, and I'm actually going through this internally where um, we're working on like a fragrance body care range of some of sort, and we're going to probably do a new brand. But we have these crossroads in our head every day. We're like, should we just launch a part of Fable and Main? I say, oh, should we just do another brand? Like, what are we doing? So maybe Arabelle, Ari, um, kind of, did you like have these crossroads of, do we launch it all under Rotary or should we create a new brand? It, it just like everything really, it kind of evolved. Yeah. So it really started with us, um, chatting about our love of natural fragrance. Yes. Um, because at Votary, we only work with, you know, natural essential oils, um, yeah. when we, if we use them, that's what we use. Um, we want to, if you're working with natural essential oils, you synthetic fragrance starts to really jar. And it, I mean, to the extent that I get headaches, if anyone sort of dares, I cannot walk through the duty free. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Um, it literally get a migraine. It becomes obnoxious, um, right? It feels like it's like an attack. The, it's like, oh, it's so powering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, and it's because it's it smells really synthetic. Like that's it's, it's as simple as that. And so we we just sort of chatted on about that, and we started exploring. You know, would we do something with natural fragrance? Um, but we always felt like um, not with us. But we we know that Votary is about skincare. It's about highly effective transforming skincare, and so it just it never felt right to launch a, a fragrance um, within that. We always knew it needed to be separate. But but Verdon, as it is now, has evolved. Um, you know, when did we first start talking about it, Charlotte? Was it as much as four years ago? Oh God, I don't know. It was it was definitely kind of. We had we. Do you remember we were in New York meeting mm. with Felix and you know talking perfume and stuff and that was that was pre pre COVID. I mean that was two yeah. years before so COVID. I think it was four years. So we would. So what what what's funny about Verdon is that we were working on the concept really within a couple of years of having launched Votary, which is quite an odd thing to do. But we'll leave that to one side. Um, <laughs> but then also it actually took us quite a long time before we really figured out what the concept was. And I guess also, I think we probably both at different times felt like this is a bit crazed. This is a bit too much. Do we really want to do another one? I mean, we're quite stretched as it is. Um, so I, I think that there was an element of figuring it out. And at the same time, each of us at different times, pulling ahead and back, sort of being unsure about the extent to which it made sense. No, in the, in the end, to me, it makes perfect it's sense. Also, like you have so many learnings when creating your first brand. Um, so there's a lot of like, I guess, acceleration of things you can do by your second brand because you you know sort of some of the suppliers, what to do, what not to do, some some lead times. You have some retail, you know, already uh, relationships. Um, but you also have to find that balance between also like forgetting what you know and also restarting because it's a new new baby, right, and has a new potential. And it's so sometimes 
even not going with what the usual is and trying something new. It's a hard balancing act. So um, I think, did you guys go into Verdon a little bit more like um, let's experiment or was it more like let's be safe and do... I feel it's experiment because you already told me you have a different strategy, but tell me yourself. Yeah, it was let's experiment. But I think we, we went into it with a lot more confidence, I feel like, than our first yes. brand together. Um, I think... I certainly felt we can do this. Did you feel that ever? Um, yeah, no, I think I did. I think, I, I think, but also I think maybe the time that it took to launch helped with mm. that, helped with sort of, you know, getting my head around like that, you know, because it just, you know, it, it takes time to sort of, to it, the, the fact that we gave it the space to evolve before we launched, mm. I think was really helpful. Um, but, you know, it's interesting what you say about how, you know, think a brands, you know, I think there was a part of us that thought we could maybe copy what, everything we'd done with Vodra and, and <laughs> transpose it onto Verdon and pretty Does much day one of trading. I remember I remember yeah. when we very first setting up Votary, Charlotte saying to me, well, we're not going to write a business plan because they're works of fiction, because day one of trading, everything goes out of the window. Everything you thought you knew. Exactly. Yeah. Changes. So, so we're not going to do that. And it's, you know, it's of course the same for Verdon is that we thought it would be one thing and, and perhaps it's something a little bit different to that. Yep. And I think the key, the key thing that I think we were much more confident about second time round was um, the only business plan we ever have is this thing of, you know, do we think we can get our money back within a reasonable period of time by shifting this product? Do we think that whatever the minimum order quantities are, do we think we can get those out the door in a reasonable time and therefore, you know, wash our faces? And with Votary, we we started on such a tiny scale um, that that was really how we gave ourselves comfort that it would be okay because our first production run was 300 units per skew. I mean, it was tiny. And um, with Verdon, we were looking, because of the types of products we were making, we were looking at vastly bigger production runs. But I think we looked at it and went, yeah, we can sell that. And I, I love the fact that you said you have more confidence going in too, right? So that is like, I guess, one of the driving forces behind those decisions. There's still the risks involved, but they're confident decision making, a bit more confidence in them, which I think helps sometimes pull those triggers on those slightly larger POs and... Um, and that comes with experience, right, of, of, of already creating a brand and, and knowing uh, even selling out and lead times and stuff like that. There's also smart decisions in there where it's like, eh, let's just be safe than sorry. Yeah. But also the, the difference of having a really competent team. Exactly, exactly. By that stage, who, who you just know they can do it. And that's actually a question I wanted to ask. So, we, where, you know, was it the idea that you would have the team cross Verse, like work on both brands or would it be, was it like an issue should be isolate two teams to have two different focuses no our philosophy is very much that we have one team doing both um we we try to have as lean an operation as possible because it is again back to that thing of what are we actually good at and we're probably not brilliant at running big teams of people we're not particularly interested in it we like working closely with a small number of really talented people who we feel really close to and where there's a real relationship so because of that a lot of what the challenge with Verdon was how do we streamline it to the point where the current team can take it on and I think I mean they, they might they, they might 
choke when they hear this. But I think I think we all thoroughly enjoyed it. Actually, I think we were all, you know, COVID had been very hard and very boring and voter had grown very fast and it had, be, it had felt quite relentless. And there was something quite joyful for all of us about having a new baby to launch. And it just gave us some intellectual relief just from a change of scene. So I think we actually, I was so grateful and so excited by the team's excitement about getting their teeth into this new thing. And we had this, do you, do you remember, Arabella, we had that sort of 500 line spreadsheet that was the how we get to launch that at some point I put together these are all the tasks that need doing before we can actually launch this and you conquer and divide it was just and just putting different team members names against stuff and every every week in the team meeting for about three months turning a line you know the lines green that had been done and just the whole team sitting there in the meetings looking at it going we will turn this entire spreadsheet green by the first of October and we did but I love. I also love the fact that, like, and this is the reality of building a business, and even the second business or third business is sometimes the most simple, like Excel spreadsheets, not this fancy twenty-page business plan for who. Like that can be the you, most effective yeah. ways. It's just simplifying you need, you need it, making it effective. <laughs> You need a to-do list. It sounds basic. And like, and one thing I do to this day, it sounds, and people ask me like, how do I get on top of things? It's like, I actually like write a to-do list every morning. Um, but I like, I have now a practice of making it a little bit like, I guess, attainable. I don't go crazy where I feel like I can never complete it. And I cannot finish the day without ticking it off. Like I won't sleep until it's done, but I make it like attainable. I don't go like crazy. I was just thinking, Charlotte, that one of the nicest things about, um, Verdon and the team is how much they love the product because actually that's so important that, that you know because most of them joined Votary mm. when we were established and they knew that they liked the brand and wanted to work for us but um, the fact that they all adore Verdon um, to pieces and all have their favorite fragrance and their favorite product and they're always coming up with new ideas for new products for the brand it's um, lovely. I know and actually, and actually that 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 was so exciting because we hadn't really shown them the product because mm -hmm. Arabella and I, because the team was very busy, we sort of thought, well, if we're going to launch this new brand, we should probably just get on and do it, the two of us, rather than bothering other people with it. So we did an awful lot of the development work ourselves and didn't really bother the team with it. Mm -hmm. So we did slightly sort of spring it yeah. on them almost as a fully formed thing, didn't we? That's exciting. And luckily, they liked it. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, and that's also, you know, that's also being smart to make sure the best use of time is still to grow Votary during that moment because it's like you're building a brand at the same time. Um, and I think we're doing pr pretty much the same thing. We're like, me and my sister are working on the second brand without really getting the team too involved. Um, only a few people here and there to help. But it's like, it will come again like a, like a presentation in the room. Like, <laughs> guys, we're here to present you. Ta -da! And then get everyone excited. It also it adds a bit more you know to the same team it adds another exciting layer because it can get quite tedious to work on a brand for like five six years you know um so having a new brand is also a good way to inspire and keep the team motivated but i would love um we know like verdun you know it comes from the word in, in danish earth and the whole idea of being out in in the wild and the nature and the, the amazing breathing power and i love the brand is really much you know based on the word breath and you have this really cool section on the website where you have like breath breath work exercises Huge fan of that as someone into yoga and mindfulness. So what was that kind of initial inspiration about why breath and the power of breath and the earth? I'm going to let Charlotte take this one. 
So um, there's so, as always with these things, it's, it's you know, the, the answer is complex and it comes from many different places and it's a sort of confluence of different uh, experiences that you have in life. Um, I had, during our endless lockdowns, uh, I had started uh, trying to use meditation to improve my focus and to reduce anxiety. And I found it really useful in terms of fixing some of those anxiety issues I was having. But there was a missing piece for me where I realized that any time an instructor said, oh, focus on the breath or return to the breath, I didn't know what the hell I was supposed to be doing. They made me realize I didn't know how to breathe. So um, I got very interested in how you can breathe better to feel better. And I went down the rabbit hole of researching that. And there's a huge amount of resources and learning available out there. And I found that really transformed my uh, approach to mindfulness and meditation was just learning to breathe well. And then there is the whole other aspect of it, which is actually the place where I'm sat here today because it's summer holidays that so I am sat on in a beach house in Denmark um, on the beach where I grew up, which is the place that inspired Verdon. And this place is very, very special to me and to quite a lot of other people who spent their childhoods here. And one of the things that makes it special is the uh, the local ecosystem. So the nature is really pre-industrial. Um, it's dense with insects and different kinds of plants. And it's smells completely different to anywhere else in the world and most of us when we come here the minute you get out of your car and you fill your lungs with the air and the fragrance of this place you feel different so for me there was this thing of trying to help people access better breathing by connecting them with the earth via natural fragrance because that's what is happening organically and naturally in this place where I am today but it is really difficult to access when you're back in the UK in the middle of a city and so what Verdon does it takes natural fragrance that connects your breath to the earth and therefore connects your mind to the earth so that's the whole philosophy behind Verdon and we knew it was going to be called Verdon when I um arrived here one summer and we were working on this fragrance concept and I had I smelt this thing and I suddenly realized it, it has to have a Danish name and Verden means the earth or the world in Danish and it's it's just a, it yeah it was just what it had to be called it was and then it was also brilliantly trademarkable that's what I like to hear I mean it's one of those weird things where it's like such an important factor to new brands but like it doesn't seem like and even like everything from Instagram handle to TikTok and these are things we have to think about you know and uh, hashtag nowadays there's a lot more layers even more than trademark these yeah. days but yeah and, and, what, and what's funny is a lot of my Danish friends have said I can't believe that name was available it is so good it, it, yeah. it, it, like why had no, none of the Danish startups used it over time. I mean, it is just a brilliantly internationally mm. pronounceable word 
that has this really profound Danish meaning. Yeah. So anyway, we got very lucky. Also completely weird that it's another six letter word beginning with a V. So but it, I was about to say. But of course, we've now, if we ever want to launch a third brand, I shouldn't say things like that in, in public, but we're going to be no, really exactly. stuck. There's because, an expectation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do we follow the pattern or not? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you have to, you have to. I think that that's already something that the three Vs, it could be cool. But, um, but I, I would love maybe uh, if you want Ari to explain a little bit about um, the product lineup for Verdon. Mm. So, so, so as we've said, where Verdon began was, was exploring natural fragrance. And actually what we initially wanted to do was make a completely natural, fine fragrance. Um, but yeah. we, you know, as, as we've said, we, we spent a long time working on this and we really did our research and we came to the conclusion that it's actually just not possible to do that. Um, so we parked that and we decided to um, focus more on bath and body and home. Um, so taking those natural fragrance brands that we love and, and putting them into those kinds of products. So we have um, a wash and a balm um, and the wash is, you know, SLS free and is, you know, just a beautifully um, gentle wash that is, you know, yes, it can go in your downstairs loo and be this like beautiful bottle um, in that situation. But it's also, you know, brilliant um, in the shower as well. It's, it's absolutely good enough quality to be using all over your body. And I think that's quite rare, actually, that people tend to think, oh, that's just for hand wash. Um, so, yeah. I'm really thrilled with how that's evolved. And and then the balm again is, you know, a, a brilliant hand cream, but also is a, it's the reason we called it balm, not a cream is because it's really rich um, and really a high quality um, moisturizer. So um, that's the balm. We have um, beautiful candles, which are all uh, soy wax. Um, and burn really, really cleanly. Um, uh, we have now got reed diffusers um, and we have bath oils. Um, so that's the lineup. Um, and in terms of what's happening next with the brand, it, we have new fragrances coming. So launching new fragrances within the existing product range. Amazing. So in terms of like roles and responsibilities, I would love to know kind of how you guys conquer and divide. You have your own remits. And personally, just to add to that, like who is the genius behind this incredible branding? Because I'm obsessed, especially with Verdun. It looks so beautiful. We have, um, so Verdun was done by a Korean design agency, actually, um, that I found online. Because uh, that's the world we live in. Yep. Um so, uh, so yeah, that, that was Verdon. Votary was created by um, a, a design agency in, they were New York based at that time. They're now LA based. Um, and we still work with those creators. Amazing. It's a, it's particularly the Votary relationship is a really long standing relationship. And it's one of immense trust, actually. And we're very, very lucky to have that designer working with us. That's amazing. Yeah, it's part of the team. It's, it's, it's really cool when like an agency becomes like a partner in terms of a long-term partnership because it really becomes infused in that DNA. Because often you can go to an agency or, you know, like a freelancer and use them one off and then it's done, right? The, 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 the project's finished. But I love that. That's really good to hear. But so in terms of like roles and responsibilities, who, who, does, who does what? Uh, well, I mean, we, we fell naturally at the beginning into roles of, um, you know, I had a, firstly had a PR and marketing background. I'd actually yep. done that job. So that was very obvious yep. for me to do that. And in fact, we we didn't 
have a PR agency for the first two years of Votary. So I did it um, and yep. it was fine. And, I, and you know, look, I, I think I have to give myself some credit <laughs> um, because Absolutely. we did all right in those two years. But by the end of those two years, I was doing it quite badly. <laughs> so, so we did need to hire an agency at that point. But yes, yeah, so I did PR marketing. Um, obviously, the kind of the product development at that stage was you know, in my head. Um, and yes, I'd started making my own oils at home, but in a very haphazard way. Um, so Charlotte sent me a pair of what she delightfully called drug dealer scales. <laughs> and I started formulating product properly. I mean, I was, look, I've, you know, I know we, we say sort of kitchen table, but I was, I was coming up with oil blends at home, but then a lab was very much in terms of development we were working hand in hand with a lab. And now, of course, now we've moved beyond oils. Um, we work with chemists and labs to properly formulate things. Um, but at the beginning, that was all me. And Charlotte had this amazing entrepreneurial background. So, you know, Charlotte, you, you know, you understood a spreadsheet. I was a makeup artist. I had no idea. I couldn't have begun to launch a brand on my own. So that's, I think, where our two strengths, you know, our two set of skills collided really brilliantly and it's obviously evolved a lot um over the seven yeah. or eight years we've been doing this now um yeah wow amazing yeah you know from a strategy point of view i think i'm often quite focused on the strategic bits because i used to work in brand strategy for many years and it's one of the areas where you know probably i bring the focus but we can't do it unless we're doing it together. And I think that's the beauty of it. I think that's the beauty of being two people Yeah, is that um, I think we end up with much better exactly. concepts and products than we would each do individually. There's a real sort of two plus two equals five that goes on. It's sort of like a, a tag team approach of like, you know, you both need to both sign things off and have that kind of affirmation from each other, which is so crucial because two is stronger than one, but you have to be, both on the same page, but yeah, have a few little like, I guess, areas where one is maybe leading the conversation more than the others because it is important to have some, you know, um, some decision making here and there with some layers of like focus so you yeah. can conquer and divide uh, properly. But it's it's not really a a fixed formula as you as you know. Having co-founders, it's always a tag team changing up in there, it, it, and you have to, and that's the beauty of it is you can you can be able to do that. Um, so no, it's really, that's why I like to ask that question. I was just going to say, crucially, neither of us want to do it on our own. Exactly. Yeah. We've got no interest in doing it on our own and, and we'd much rather be doing it together. And, and I think we've got quite good at, um, sensing if the other one of us feels really strongly about something, um, the other person will say, okay, fine, we'll try it that way. Yeah. And we, and there's no like, no ego. Well, I'm going to hold you to that. Exactly. There's no like, well, I'm, I'm, that's going to, if that goes wrong, then, you know. No, but I, I know I told because, you. So. I think it's because it's not because <laughs> the other one is being stroppy or because we don't want the fight. Or at least on my side, it isn't. And I like to think it isn't on yours either. It's because I think that oh. if you feel strongly about it and I'm like, well, yeah, I, you know, I kind of like my opinion, but I'm not really wedded to it, then probably you're right. Because if you're feeling strongly about it that's more valid than me being sort of a bit meh about my opinion totally i agree totally. that's a and that's a very good realization so like to realize that like yeah. the power of the weight of our opinions because it's very easy to have an opinion and often sometimes most of our opinions when we're not strong about it 
is quite easily changeable and often like it's like sometimes devil advocating ourselves yeah. you know we don't even know what we want we kind of like yes but you know going back to my point which is my mantra in life which is like there's no right and wrong there's just the way and you just have to deal with each way so um yeah so i agree and, and sometimes it's just quicker and easier as we're building brands and now you have two brands you got to like sometimes just make decisions and go with the flow and if someone's feeling more passionate about yeah. something it's it's probably right to just to go with that one and i think that that's actually something i've learned from charlotte in that um just sometimes any decision is better than no decision even if it ends up being the wrong one you sometimes you just need to move on <laughs> <laughs> you just have to move on. There's no time. Yeah. <laughs> and and and, you, and then sometimes it's good to make decisions that have certain, I guess, uh, cons because you learn from them as well. And then, you know, next time what not to do, even more so. A, a good decision today is always better than a great decision tomorrow. Love that. That's exactly, that's, that's very powerful. And um, no, so, so we're, we're going to go to fire round questions very soon because I have a few little questions and mantras. I think, you know, we'll get some nuggets. But before I do that, I have a very like mean question because I'm going to open up to like both brands now. So I'm inviting you to a desert island, but I'm saying Ari and Charlotte, you can only bring each one product from either Verdun or Votary. So it's like I'm making you choose between a two brands, but also like between the two brands, one favorite. So I'm sorry, don't shoot the messenger. But I'll go with you, Ari, first. What is your one go-to product? Oh. God, horrendous. Um, I mean, I would <laughs> I usually say the rose geranium cleansing oil, which I've already discussed. But as I have just come back from a very hot two weeks in Greece, um, where I got through an entire bottle of our Super Seed Serum, I think I'm going to have to say that product because it is such a... And I'm thinking... I'm just always so practical. And I'm actually imagining myself on a hot desert island. <laughs> so yep. I need... It's a lovely cooling lightweight serum that has lots of peptides in it so lots of you know um barrier repair ingredients and it it just would quite literally save my skin in that situation so i'm gonna say super seed serum which i haven't said in this situation ever before so it's a new one nice i love that how about you charlotte i would definitely grab votary glow drops um because i actually often do when i'm traveling i don't know if i've ever told you this arabella but i often it's quite a small bottle it's a 30 ml um and i take it with me because actually i use it for my face both to cleanse instead of the cleansing off i can't bother to take a whole cleansing off i use the glow drops for cleansing which is absolutely fine for a week um and i'll use it to moisturize my face uh, my body and I'll use it on my hair and it smells amazing I think it's I'm pretty confident it's both mine and Arabella's favorite product in terms of fragrance oh, wow. um, and it just it's a beautiful calming fragrance it's neurotic right. oh, and that is divine and that is our favorite fragrance so amazing yeah. Um, yeah, I, I love as well. Like, um, you know, you guys are, you guys are, we're in the island together, so you can share your products. I'll allow that so you can get the best of both. <laughs> but um, now we're going to go to fire round questions. So, the first thing that comes to your mind, I'll start, we'll do like Ari and then Charlotte. So, we'll do this way around. Um, so, Charlotte, you've got a bit more time. Uh, so, Ari, what's another beauty brand that you're currently loving? Oh, I am loving Ultraviolette which is, I'm sure you know it, but it's a brilliant Australian SPF brand. And I think their formulas are exceptional. Um, 
you know, I, I use it myself and I recommend it to people, but also from a sort of votary perspective, we're always being asked to make an SPF for our customers. Will you make an SPF? And, and the answer is honestly, probably not. When there are brands like Ultraviolet doing what they do so brilliantly, I would never want to launch anything that wasn't as good as that. So if we ever launch an SPF, you can be reassured that it will at least match <laughs> And I think that's such a mindful thing that you said, like, you know, it's knowing like either what the, what's out there in the market. And generally speaking, SPF is that thing where people like stay away unless you can really master because it can be a nightmare of a product. Um, I've heard horror stories with SPF. So having a good one is hard to find, like Supergoop and Ultraviolet. Ultraviolet is definitely the two that stand out to me as from the top two players. That's amazing. Uh, how about you, Charlotte? <laughs> hard because I use very little that isn't both true if I'm really honest uh, I so I probably have to, I probably have to go to makeup which I don't wear a lot of or very often um, but I do love hourglass I just think their products are always brilliant um, they never let me down I've never bought anything that I haven't been utterly delighted with and, and really good for the planet clean animal friendly it's uh, yeah, I love what hourglass has created and um, and they're definitely packaging wise stunning as well so who doesn't love a nice you know, out of packaging. Um, my second question, Ari, is what is a guilty pleasure of yours? Um, really long baths. <laughs> I can't be without them. And I, um, uh, I partly sort of think that we've launched Verdon to sort of facilitate. Yeah, I'd like to say, perfect. <laughs> you <laughs> have your bath been... oils. <laughs> yeah, and we do have some bath salts coming. I forgot about the bath oh, salts. Oh, exciting. Um, okay. So I mean... yeah, I, I, I really love a long, hot, deep, bath and it is a real indulgence um you should call it like uh, the burden bath ceremony your long you know long burden like now we have your candle you light you have your bath oils your salts it's like yeah. you can make a whole ritual it's amazing yeah absolutely amazing and uh, how about you charlotte what's a guilty pleasure of yours homemade bread or homemade buns uh, I, d- I just i just love warm bread i could never be gluten-free in any way <laughs> <laughs> especially if it's freshly made uh, they're the best like you know that it's another it's, i think it's even a different breed to bread like it's a way to say but like there's the difference between bread and then freshly made bread it just yeah different. and i love the process of making it and yeah it's just i love i love bread um so ari what are you currently watching or reading honestly watching is a nightmare because we've basically finished netflix <laughs> in, in lockdown I've, i feel like i've watched all the tv it's horrible yeah um however we are watching i i on my holiday i read a book called slow horses which is a really fun mi5 um uh series and i what i read the first book uh my husband also read it and so when we got back a week ago we started watching the tv series which is uh gary oldman and kirsten scott thomas and is um really quite exceptional so yeah enjoying that uh, what did you, what was the second one you asked me? <laughs> uh, watching and Read reading. So oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. Done. So, yeah. <laughs> reading, yeah. Perfect. And Charlotte, what are you currently watching or reading? Um, so I've rather belatedly started watching Bolton, which is the Danish parliamentary drama, um, which for some reason I just never watched first time round. I've got many series of it to go, so it's quite brilliant just for having something to look forward to for the long, dark winter nights. And then and reading... Um, I've just read Breath, the book, <laughs> on this Rightly holiday, so. Very apt. and I can't believe I can't believe I hadn't read it before. Um, yep. And I loved it. Uh, lots of 
really inspiring um, knowledge and anecdotes in there. Really loved it. Oh, very cool. Um, and the next question is, Ari, what's your favourite social media platform right now? Oh, again, terrible week to be asking me that with what's going on on Instagram this week. <laughs> but it, I mean, it is Instagram, yeah. but I, 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 like many people, despair. Um, it's it's yeah. not the place that I used to love. Um, I, I hope they fix yeah. it. <laughs> Please fix it. It's broken. Yeah, me too. It's changing. They 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 go back. They change. I don't get it sometimes. Yeah, I think they're there's an they were now going back. They they said they they're going backwards on the changes after the back. Oh, they do. <laughs> they say that, and I'm like, I don't know, but um. Who knows? But I, I, the good thing is, is, is um, I think uh, there's enough apps to like, you know, sometimes it's good to have a break. And if they change it, you're like, okay, I'm off it for a week. I'll go to TikTok or I'll go to LinkedIn. But LinkedIn is very interesting as a, as a platform. Yeah, we don't, we don't do enough on LinkedIn, actually. So, um, yeah. That's no, interesting. And how about you, Charlotte? What's your favorite social media platform? I am trying to give up social media and I'm very consciously trying to spend my time on the Verdon app instead, um, trying to allocate some of this, what these days feels like totally wasted and sort of soul, soul wise black hole time that Instagram has become. Um, I'm trying to spend on, uh, on breast practice uh, and using the Verdon app and, you know, when you look at how many hours you spend looking at Instagram and how stressful that environment is now, because I think the whole switch to video has just made it, it it used to be lovely. I used to love seeing what my friends were up to and seeing beautiful images created by creators, you know, by photographers I respect. And, you know, it was a wonderful thing and it was restful and it was like flicking through a magazine in the old days. And that was sort of the point. It was downtime. And now it's just so stressful. And I've really had a word with myself about not giving it the time because it's not making me feel better. It's making me feel worse. I'm just trying to spend more time on breath practice. And And I I will mention, I'll put the link in the summary so people can go download it. But Virgin has an incredible app. It's free. It's where you can have breath work exercises, um, Virgin Breathe, Breathe Again. And definitely you should download it. So. Uh, not many brands have an app so that's pretty amazing oh you're so right charlotte because instagram used to be a peaceful place it was a retreat Mm. and it was a place it was and it was a place of connection and every time i open it now you're right it's like an assault it's stress i know honestly it's like i'm being attacked uh, yeah what by the way watch your watch how you're breathing when you're looking at it because Mm. you will notice that your breath shortens and you stop breathing and it's just a stressful place. And it's because of the visual stimulus. It's not nice. I completely agree. And that's why you need like, you know, moments in the day where you, I call them micro practices or breath work, meditation. It's so crucial in this very fast paced world we live in um, to do that. And I say micro practices because it seems like a reality for most people to do micro work than like an hour long meditation or breath work practice. So yeah, that's why your app is perfect for that. Um, uh, my next question is, do you have like a favorite quote or mantra, Ari? Uh, this too shall pass, always. <laughs> because um, that is life, you know, shit happens. Yep. Um, and that's exactly it. you won't feel the same, you know, this, something can make you feel horrible and anxious and can ruin your day. And I, 
nine times out of 10 a week or maybe a bit longer, but you know, not that long afterwards, you will feel fine about it and you'll have moved on and you'll have found a coping strategy or a way of rationalizing it, or you'll have fixed something or it wasn't actually as bad as you thought it was going to be. And so I think that this two shall pass kind of covers all of that really nicely, helpfully. (laughs) I love that. That's a really good one. And how about you, Charlotte? Oh, I think I've already given it away earlier. So yep. a good decision today is definitely better than a great decision tomorrow. Um, but I think actually Arabella has a mantra that we use a lot, and which I've learned a lot from, which is similar. Um, and it's rip the plaster off. <laughs> so Arabella does this whole thing where if we have to do something that's unpleasant, she's like, let's just do it now. Get it out. Get it done with. Rip the plaster. Yeah, it's so healthy because actually I've always been the opposite. Yeah. Um, it's such a good attitude. If you have to do something unpleasant, just get it over yeah. with. Yeah. Then it's done. God, I'm, not, I'm not sure I always follow that myself, by the way. I think I say it. And I'm not sure I always do it. <laughs> but just, just saying it so we have to do it together exactly. is, is fine. I mean, that'll do. It's one of those things. Um, I mean, let's be honest. Mantras and quotes are things we just have to say to ourselves because we tend not to listen to our own selves. So just have to remind yeah. yourselves to do it. And if you even just twenty five percent of the time do it, that's that. And you work towards it. That's fine. But it is true. It's like I have that thing where I'm like, oh, I don't want to do that email, or I don't want to do this call. But then it's like, just do it. Done it. Get it done with. And then you'll feel better. Yeah. Um, so that's very true. My last question, and then we'll wrap it up. I know you have a busy day ahead. And uh, also, I will mention Charlotte's on her last day of holiday, and she's taken the time for this. So that's really, thank you so much. <laughs> um, so I'll make sure we, we, um, we wrap it up now. But if you weren't a beauty entrepreneur, Ari, what would you be doing? Oh, I'd still be a makeup artist. I'm not sure if that counts, but... Um... I would yeah, no, that, that yeah counts, that I counts. would yeah. I would still be a makeup artist. I do miss it and very occasionally I'm I'm too yeah. old for my friends um to be getting married still. Maybe I'll get some second marriages. But uh you know when we were setting yeah. up poetry and I slowed down my makeup work I'd still get the odd friend wanting me to do their wedding makeup and That's so I amazing. just love it. I love a wedding. Um yeah. Yeah, I think brides get a bad rap. They get the bad, the bridezilla um, <laughs> uh, label yeah. put on them. But actually, in my experience, um, doing uh, someone's makeup for their wedding is the most lovely thing um, and a real privilege. And so, yeah, I, I would still be a makeup artist. And yeah, if I, you know, so yeah, I hope, I hope that I get a few more jobs like that. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, no, and and, and that, that's the thing. It's like being part of someone's one of the most special days in their life. It's it's so rewarding and fulfilling too. Yeah, I, I can definitely agree uh, and how about you charlotte oh i'd be running some other small business i mean you know that's what i do yeah well some you're running a small business but you guys have a big you guys are building a big business so like let's you know i want to make sure people realize how what you've done with votary and verdon it's incredible but it feels sometimes small right i even say to myself like my business i'm like it's a small named team but in reality um it's a perception what you guys are doing is is awesome and as someone who i can tell you like the products i found it when i found it on cult i was blown away so you should be so proud and so i'm so excited for this journey ahead with verdon now um you have a friend in me so we'll, we'll, this is just the beginning of our friendship we'll continue our conversation off podcast and um i want everyone to follow the journey so where can everyone find either your own socials but also the brands as well um you can find both brands in liberty um and various other retailers in the uk but also at votary.co.uk and at uh, www.verdon.world that's the website address in a second
I'll put all the links in the, in the summary, including your own personal ones if you want to share. So, you know, everyone can go ahead and follow and um, we'll see each other very, very soon. But thank you so much for being with us today. Thanks so much, Akash. who you think will love it too. Founded Beauty is available on all podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music Podcasts, the Acast app, and many more. And I'm also very proud to be part of the Acast Creator Network. So be sure to follow the podcast so you can get episodes as soon as they drop. We really appreciate every single follow, listen, share, and review. It truly goes such a long way and helps us reach new listeners. So as a little thank you, I will be hosting a giveaway each week on my Instagram channel at meta underscore a, where you can win some amazing Fablemane goodies. All you have to do is follow me, check out my stories and all will be revealed. Stay tuned for the next episode of Founded Beauty and don't forget to subscribe and follow so you can be notified when it drops.